Okay, so we're going to start. In the previous chapter, chapter 4, we explained the different views of Viktor Frankl and Sigmund Freud concerning human nature in general. What are people made of? What really lies beneath the surface of the masks we wear and present to the world? Are we splintered selves motivated by competing desires? Or are we aspiring souls seeking deeper meaning and connection with, with others? Freud, although he might have had some truth to him, he defined man as basically the Nefesh Bahamas. And that was as deep as we, as we go. So yes, there's a lot of a lot of trauma and a lot of conflict, different desires competing against each other in the the ego and the id and the super id or the super ego. I'm not a very I'm not very well versed in such things. But he stayed with the Nevesh Bahamas and he thought that's who we were. Which is a big entanglement. Yet Viktor Frankl discovered something much deeper. And fortunately he discovered it mostly in the camps under the Nazis. And he saw that there's a, there's a soul that, that transcends all of the desires and all the Nevesh Bahamas. He saw with his own eyes people rising above their physical nature, transcending those that Nevesh Bahamas. And he says the answers to these questions that we describe, that we describe to, are not just theoretical or academic. These questions, who are we? They define in our minds what it is to be human, which in turn validates or challenges what we take to be acceptable or achievable goals and behaviors. This is a very deep book. Every line has to be thought about. In so many ways, our lives are our personal answer to that most existential of questions. Who and what am I? Our own life, how we behave how we act, how we live, how we think, answers, who am I? Now the problem is, for most people who are not conscious, is that because they never thought about this question on their own, if a person would try to analyze his own life, where he's, where he, where he's holding things that he's doing, his behaviors, most people, if they're just going with the flow they're basically copying their parents, their teachers, who they see on TV. They're just copycats of everybody else's stuff. So to define your life based on copycatting seems pretty silly. Right? Yeah, Rabbi. Yeah, jump I in. Saw, uh, I saw a quote today from um, Rabbi Fischl Schachter. Yeah. Sick where we are is up to Hashem but who we are is up to us so therefore we have to we have to take take the control that's yes. our Bechira 100% I just want to I, I just want to comment on what you just read and and you said that when we say who and what am I and then you said that I'm copycatting my parents or something like that then 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 I'm not me because I'm just someone else but then but that doesn't have to be so I am a copycatter that is who I am that, that's, that is who I am that's that's not that's not a life everybody's given no, an no, I'm not saying it's a good thing of course oh. it's not a good thing but 
but that's who I am at the present. And that's, and that's what I do then. And that's not a problem, right? And that's, that's sad. The, that's, that's sad. Right. Yeah. Well, and most people don't even know that. They don't even know they're copycatting. They think that's, oh, no, this is, this is my life. No, it's not your life. It's somebody else's life or somebody else's thoughts about life. It's very, very far from your own personal connection to your own life, which is crazy that we have to find ourselves and <laughs> introduce ourselves to ourselves. But we have to. It's, it's unfortunate that it's very often only when a person hits rock bottom or when he's so, he just can't take it anymore. The world is just paining him so much. That's when he starts to look for something. It's basically the search for the self. Why is it that we have to wait so far, so long? Why don't we give people the tools? Now, there is a certain beauty to a person, unfortunately, hitting rock bottom. There is such a thing. It's like a, it's an explosion. It's like the phoenix coming out of the, you know, from the flames. The phoenix coming out of that, from the dead, from the original form it took with a fire, you know, shooting up. But that's, we don't need it to always, it doesn't have to be that way. This book is trying to help us get to a better place. So he says in this chapter, we will continue this line of inquiry as we analyze, I know, I know, I know. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Do we have to get to that point that we finally start looking for ourselves? I'm, I'm sick and that. tired. It's a, it's a, it's, 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 it's an insanity. That that's what we have to get to to finally try to look for healing. We analyze a further extension of the Rebbe's positivity bias as it applies to the Jewish soul in particular. So let me go a little weiter. We'll let uh, others read in a minute. A man once, <clears throat> a man once told the Rebbe that he felt like a hypocrite when he went to Shul and Yom Kippur because he didn't go the rest of the year. The Rebbe responded by saying that the natural place for a Jew to be is in Shul. You're not a hypocrite when you go to Shul and Yom Kippur, he said. You're a hypocrite when you don't go to Shul the rest of the year. So many Jews struggle with their Jewish identity. Based on how they are raised or what kind of life they lead, they tend to think of themselves as bad Jews or good Jews, religious or secular, religious or secular, and so on. This self-definition then influences their decisions to participate in the life and rituals of the community or not. People define themselves by what they do. That's what, that's. That's how we define ourselves. Am I doing it or am I not doing it? If I'm doing it, good. If I'm not doing it, bad. And if I haven't done it in the past, so then I feel bad about myself, which hinders me from doing anything in the future. We cannot define ourselves based on what we do. Of course, we should try our best to do good things, and a lot of them, obviously. But the definition, the essence of man is not dependent on what he does. It's who he is, meaning not the who he is like Zach was saying, but who he is is a soul, a piece of elokus. His essence is godliness. Even if you don't act always appropriately, that never touches your essential self. So how should we define ourselves? Based on what we do, or who we are. So he says, this self-definition that influences 
their decisions to participate in the life and rituals of the community or not. You don't do, you feel bad, you don't do again. And you feel even worse. And then you don't do even more. And then you feel even worse. And then you don't do it even more. According to the Rebbe, however, being Jewish means that fulfilling the mitzvahs is the most natural and truly authentic thing for one to do. Anything else is just another expression of exile from one's indigenous soul. The Rebbe further emphasizes this point in a letter written to someone who had sought his counsel. There can be no question of hypocrisy when a Jew learns Torah and conducts his life in accordance with Torah and mitzvahs, even if some of his other actions, even feelings, do not always harmonize with his Torah study and observance. Because the incongruity lies not in acting according to the Torah and mitzvahs, rather it lies in acting contrary to the Torah and mitzvahs. It's a crazy thing. We Sometimes we feel bad when we're doing good. It's right when we start davening, right when we start learning, right when we start putting the first foot, the, you know, our, our better foot forward, then we start to have guilt about, about it. But I don't do it all the time. And like, I'm just starting to learn now. What about all the past years? Why are we worrying about that right now? Let's applaud ourselves for realigning ourselves with our natural state instead of thinking about when we were unnatural. That's the most unnatural thing in the world, but we do it because we have yet to acquire positivity bias. The Rebbe saw the Jewish soul as being healthiest and most fulfilled when in alignment with Torah. This is indeed a Jew's most natural state of vitality and anything else is a stress and shock to their system. Accordingly, he worked tirelessly as a kind of spiritual chiropractor, realigning an entire generation and reconnecting each of us to our true source of power and purpose. Back to the Torah and the mitzvahs. Whatever small mitzvah he could get people to do. Zach, you're up, buddy. You got to unmute yourself first, though. Awesome. Thank you. Um, Family Tree of Life. In a letter written to a youngster who informed the Rebbe about his upcoming bar mitzvah, the Rebbe added the following postscript. Regarding that which you write that you stem from a secular family, certainly the secularness is an ancillary condition and an external garment that covers your essence and core. For every member of your family is a son of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and a daughter of Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel and Leah, and following them were tens of generations of followers of Torah and its precepts. God gave man choice with regards to his actions. However, he cannot whatsoever change the essence and core of his nature. Our families and our lives may appear staunchly secular on the surface, but this betrays our bedrock disposition as believers and children of believers. According to the Rebbe, Faith is the cornerstone of our individual and collective consciousness. Everything else is just cosmetic additions onto a facade, so to speak. There's a very big line before. It's a very big line. And this is where we, we fall into, we get into trouble. God gave man choice with regards to his actions. That's our Bechira. We could choose what we would like to do. However, he cannot whatsoever change the essence and core of his truest nature. But because we have Bechira in our actions... Therefore, we define ourselves based on that because this is who I am. I choose 
these actions, therefore that's who I really am. When in fact, that's not true at all. When in fact, the truest nature of who you are is God-given. You can't change that. We have to realign ourselves with God's, with Hashem's perception of us rather than our own perception. The goal is that we align, right, ourselves with the Kodesh Baruch Hu. That's the goal. The Nevesh Bahamas, the Sahara, the Sitra Achra, the Klipas, however you want to say it, wants to make there to be a separation between who you think you are and who you really are. That's the Koch of a Malik. The Koch of a Malik makes you doubt Doubt who you are. It's very important because we it's easily we could easily get caught up in that. This is my Bechira, and therefore I am what my Bechira is. But that's not true. Ultimately, the Bechira is Baruch, whatever you want. That's the ultimate Bechira, that's what we want to get to. That I choose not to choose. I choose whatever you choose, a Baruch. That's the ultimate. That's when we realign with ourselves, ourselves with ourselves, and we can feel confident in who we are. A question? Can I ask a question? So, how does that reconcile with? Not only does my neighbor and my community judge me by my actions, but God Himself, there's a bezushalmala that will decide my fate based on my actions down here on this world, and that's all that matters. They don't look, look at my my soul, my pristine soul. They don't do that. They look at my actions. They don't. Do we have to bring you closer here so that we could realign everything you're talking about. Before oh, we get, be, Yanke, before we get to that answer, I just want you to know something. Right now, if you look around the room, everybody is wearing just tzitzis and no shirt. So maybe mm. next maybe next week you should just wear tzitzis. Maybe that'll be good. <laughs> Getting back to you. <laughs> Realign with your inner self. <laughs> Actually, I can't see that. Uh, oh, you can't I see? I saw it. Okay, but I believe you. I believe you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I also have to get. The, I also have to get those 1500s forum behind you. <laughs> uh, that, that's just for show. <laughs> if you'd so, like to do that, you can fake yourself out. You can just copycat also, like I'm copycatting. <laughs> I'm copycatting Rebbe. But, um... We, when we get judged by our actions, <clears throat> we have to. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a deep, it's a bigger question. Um, but Rachman Aliba of course, the Kaddish Baruch is looking at the heart. He wants to know where the heart is first and foremost. That's the main thing. But a person does need to. He still has to choose the right thing. We do get judged for making the wrong choices. But that's not the, the punishment is also not defining who you are, right? Well, doesn't matter who I am. Doesn't matter. What matters to God in the next world is what I did. Doesn't the very matter. the very fact that He's punishing you means that you're a Jew who He cares about, who He's dusting off and He's polishing. Because of who you are, you get a din v'cheshvan. It's a, it's an it's an it's a good thing. So he can clean us up, and we can go to the highest places. For a lot of the, for a lot of the other nations, they don't they don't even get such a thing. He doesn't care about them. Well, why does it, why does it seem by Hashem it's that's done out of love to steer us back to the there? But maybe like what Yankee's saying is like 
in the community, it could, not, it could be a little more rough and tough. That what that they, that other people have have a misunderstanding about things. Yeah, sometimes I that's rough. That, I think we didn't. It's been said like that if we knew, like, like we we, we shouldn't. We we're not in a place to ju- judge a fellow yet. Like, we, correct. We, we, we shouldn't. We shouldn't be like trying to give. Um, we shouldn't try to give like correction. Right. Or like re- reproof, so to speak. Yeah. If you see moment. Okay. The, yeah. Because like um, it, it's it's we have a. We have. It's very hard for us to do it. Like we're not like Hashem. Okay. We we, we hurt people. Okay, because it comes from bed. It doesn't come from a clear place. That, what was it there right. for? What? What? What's? What are we getting at? People do it. They're wrong. It's true, and it's harsh. That's true, but they're all wrong, and we get tricked by that also. We define ourselves based on what other people think about us. That's wrong also. That that's crazy. And we define ourselves based on what we think other people think about us, which is even crazier. I'll say that again. We define ourselves based on what we think other people think about us. That's the most insane. That just shows you where most people are. That's how that just shows you how crazy we are and how none of this is true. Nothing to do with actions. Don the Kafschus, he's a Jew. You're a Jew. I'm a Jew. Yes, people need to work on themselves. Don't judge them. Don't judge another person until you're in his place, says the Pirkeyavos. And the Sfarim say, since you're never going to be in his place, don't judge him. He's not Shaykh. Yeah, let's keep going for now. Okay, uh, in a related letter, the Rebbe clarifies this point further. I must take exception to what you call at the conclusion of your letter, my lost Judaism. The expression lost does not really fit here, for no person can lose something that is his or her true essence and inner nature. What is possible is that his true essence of a person is sometimes in a state of suspended animation or covered over with various layers of foreign substances, even those that are at variance with this essence. But this essence can never be lost. It can only be dormant. As it were, instead of being active and expressed on the surface as it should be. In this letter, the Rebbe draws a distinction between a person's actions or outward appearances and their essence or innermost aspect. According to Chassidut, as well as psychology, a human is a geological being with strata upon strata of physical and spiritual sediment. Thank you. Settled beneath the surface. In, in the Rebbe's view, beneath all of our competing urges, influences, appetites, and drives, there is something unified, whole, and infinite, an internal, eternal soul created in God's image. This, rather than the various forces within clamoring for our attention, is what defines us. This is who we truly always are. If only we could quiet the storms of self to hear the still voice of the soul. Everybody get this? This is very, very deep. All the taivas, all the midas rose, all this stuff, all the insecurities, all the pain is all surface level. That's why, because our focus 
and our just our knowledge of life is on is is at surface level we take a lot of hits but if we could delve deeper and recognize our true self our essence our essential nature which is a, which is a soul a holy soul if we could be there first is to know it's true to believe it to want to be there to think about it to daven to Kodesh Baruch to be there if our brains could be in that place then we'll be under the water while everybody's fighting above we'll be under the water we'll miss everything it's possible and that's what we have to get to Jacob you, jump, you want to jump in? Sure. No, you're Yankee. He's Jacob. Jacob, oh, okay, I'm sorry. A lot of Yankees here. My deeper soul is, is, is Yankee also, but <laughs> the outer layer is Jacob. <laughs> We're working on him. <laughs> Maybe with that in the chapter. It's a shame. Okay. Uh, We're just, where, where exactly are we? Of Roots and Fruits. fruits. you got to get the same book okay. as us, man. I'm going to no, buy I you I have the same book. I was just... Uh, oh, going ahead. Okay, the okay. Rebbe was once asked by Professor Belville Green whether the Freudian notion of conscious and subconscious has a parallel in Judaism. In response, the Rebbe referred to Maimonides' explanation of a particular halakhic question in which the rabbinic court is allowed to influence a person's behavior to act in accordance with prescribed law. Right, which is the surface, sometimes a person, if a person doesn't want to give a get, Basin can force him to give the get until he's because the get can only be given with a person's a man's will. He has to birotsum. So sometimes Basin can beat him until he says, Rotsa ani, I want to give. So everybody's up in arms. What do you mean? If you beat the guy until he says Rotsa ani, that's really him saying Rotsa ani. He's really saying, I need low rotsa, but you're beating me into saying that. But yet, we hold that if you beat the guy until he says Rotsa ani, Ataka works. So now he explains. On the surface, this may appear as tampering with a witness or defendant to elicit the desired answer or outcome. However, the Rebbe creatively employs Freud's division of, a, of the human psyche to reveal the deeper psycho-spiritual dimensions of Rambam's halakhic ruling. To use contemporary terminology, as requested in the original question, the conscious state of a Jew can be affected by external pressures that induce states of mind and even behavior that is contrary to his subconscious which is the Jew's essential nature. So, okay, so we have a Jew who essentially is good, who essentially should give this get, but because of external pressures, he's angry, he's whatever it may be, he's jealous, he's a Balgaiva, he's not living aligned with his essential nature, right? So his outer self saying, no, I don't want to give a get, is really not who he is. Now, we continue... When the external pressures are removed, it does not constitute a change or transformation of his essential nature. But, on the contrary, it's merely the reassertion of his innate and true character. So when we beat the guy, we're not changing his essential nature, we're removing the outer layers that are not who he is, and revealing the essential nature that's within him, the holy soul, the one that wants to be good, the one that's not about Gaiva and about Taiva and about Kina, who wants? Who really says Rotsani? So when he says Rotsani, he's really aligning himself with his deeper Rotson, which is to be a good Jew. 
soul as intrinsically whole and holy at root, and is therefore only on the surface that the fruits of our actions will become rancid. Our essence, however, is always pure and predisposed to divinity. A disciple from a neighboring Hasidic community once visited the Rebbe for a blessing. After discussing his personal issue, the Hasid asked a question. The Talmud states that even the sinners of Israel have as many deeds as a pomegranate by seeds. But isn't that statement contradictory? If someone is truly a sinner of Israel, how can the Talmud say that he's full of good deeds? The Rebbe closed his eyes and nodded, quietly beginning to cry. I have a question on the very same passage, replied the Rebbe. If the Jew we speak of is truly full of good deeds, how can he be called a sinner of Israel? Mm-hmm. Obviously, Turn the whole question on. Yeah. So why, so why is it? Let's read to the end of this paragraph, and then I'm going to answer you a question at the end. Yeah, go. Obviously, these different viewpoints have nothing to do with the percentage of good deeds versus sins performed by those whom the Talmud calls the sinners of Israel. For everyone knows that even those who sin have some merits as well. And by the same token, even righteous people have some shortcomings. The real question raised by the story is therefore one of essence. Are Are these Jews essentially sinners who have performed a few good deeds, or are they wholly righteous at their root, regardless of the fact that they have made some mistakes? In other words, what defines the essence of a Jew? The inclination to do good or the opposite? Which force is intrinsic to the Jewish soul and which is important? Try, try, speaking, try speaking to high school kids about this. This would be a nice topic. Because they, they, don't, they don't know this. They think that they're bad... And they have to do good things to make them good, and therefore, but they're not doing good things, so they're just staying bad. We have to we have to teach people and ourselves that we're essentially good, and even if we do things that aren't right, that's just a mistake going away from our nature. But our nature doesn't change. It's a whole different way. It, it takes time to download into the system. It's a whole different way of, of viewing everything. But keep going. The Rebbe argued time and again, often in the face of opposition, that it is the goodness and godliness of the Jewish soul that defines who and what a Jew is, regardless of their level of religious observance. As the Talmud teaches, even when the Jewish people have sinned, they are still called Israel. Any momentary deviation from this pure essence is just that, a deviation from the eternally established norm. As the Tanya further explains, even while the sin is being committed, the divine soul always believes in the one God and remains faithful to Him. Here, then, is a classic example of two individuals looking at an identical text but seeing something vastly different. What becomes clear from the story is not just the spiritual state of the Jews under discussion of the Talmud, but also the mind state of the, of the people having the discussion itself. For each is choosing what to focus their attention on, the negative or the positive aspects at play. As illustrated by the story, we are all inescapable biased in some way. The question is, what is your bias? When you judge others or even yourself, are you actively looking to emphasize positivity or its opposite? It's up to you to decide. But at the end of the day, we see what we're looking for. So the question is like this. At the, yeah. end of the, at the end of this, you still have to ask. The Gemara says that Posha Yisrael are still filled with mitzvahs like a Rimon. So even though the Rebbe said... He said the other way, that if they have sit, if they have if they're full of good deeds, how could they be called Poshe Yisrael, right? Showing that the essence is really good. 
but there are some mistakes along the way. Lamaisa, the Gemara doesn't say like the Rebbe. Well, the decision of the Gemara says Posh Yisrael. Like, why, isn't, why is it defined as, as Yisrael? So could Posh is, is an act an act, Yisrael is who they are. No, so, the, so that's right. So that's going with, with, with other Gemars that are saying that even if they sin, they're called Yisrael. But, but the Rebbe, but if we're, what way we're learning, we shouldn't, we shouldn't even be saying such things. Learning is a matter of fact. It's a chitzoni. The Rebbe would still agree that the chitzoni is still sinning. You can't deny that. So what was he asking? I have a question on the Zerisim passage applied to Rebbe. If, if the Jew we speak of is truly full of good deeds, how can he be called the sinner of Israel? Isn't that a kash on the Gemara? How's that, how's that question answered? You're saying because they're, they're defining as a sinner. Can we redefine that? Does he have to be called a sinner? The Gemara says what the Gemara says. The Rebbe has a kasha. But the Gemara is saying not like the Rebbe. I think the answer is like this: is that this Gemara is saying a, is saying a chiddush. What's the chiddush? That even those who are poshe Yisrael, right, or sinners, they have a lot of mitzvahs. See, for a person with positivity bias, with a person like the Rebbe who saw the essential nature of a Jew as tov, as a soul, as godly, but there are some mistakes on top. He doesn't need this Gemara. He never looks at a Jew in a way where his essential nature is bad and we need to find good. This Gemara is not a Chiddush for the Rebbe. This Gemara would not, would not exist according to the Rebbe. This Gemara is a Chiddush for those who are negatively biased, who generally see the essential nature as bad, Poshe Yisrael, but the Chiddush for those type of people is, but still they have a lot of mitzvahs. Right? This Gemara is not a Chiddush for the Rebbe. He wouldn't need this Gemara. This whole Gemara is going, going according to a person who doesn't see the world and the, and the Jew properly. But the Gemara is saying, but still see them, they have a lot of mitzvahs. Don't throw them out because you think they're Poshe Yisrael. You got what I'm saying? Not 100%. <clears throat> okay, what's the question of the Rebbe? If these people are have all these mitzvahs, how can they be called sinners? Okay. Now I'm asking, but the Gemara says that. So the Rebbe's wrong, right? So the Rebbe's arguing with the Gemara. So that's what it sounds like, right? Seemingly. Seemingly. You have, yeah. Does that make sense? You hear the question? Does it? How could the Rebbe argue on the Gemara? Right. Meaning... He's arguing with the, the Gemara says they're Poshe Yisrael. Yeah. So my answer is, is, is what is, who's the Gemara a Chiddush to? That even Poshe Yisrael have mitzvahs like a Rimon. Does the Rebbe need that Chiddush? The Rebbe, the Rebbe only sees, no. only sees a divine nature. That even though, yes, they might have deviated, they might have sinned, he doesn't, he doesn't see them as Poshe Yisrael. And Avada, they have tons of mitzvahs. It's not a chiddush for the Rebbe. Rather, this Gemara is not talking to somebody like the Rebbe. It's talking to the person who doesn't see a Jew like the Rebbe sees. He sees Poshe Yisrael. The Gemara is saying, I, even, even though you who sees wrong, 
and sees Poshi Yisrael, you still should know that they have a lot of mitzvahs. That's who is speaking. So how does someone? How does someone like the Rebbe read that Gemara? He that the Chiddush is for those types of people. He doesn't need this Gemara. Uh, the Rebbe, Poshi Yisrael, has a, a lot of mitzvahs. Avada, what's the Shaila? But the Chiddush is not for the type of person like the Rebbe. It's for a low-level person. Got it. Okay. Shua Nelson, you want to jump in? You have the book. If you take yourself off mute, you could jump in. Making a bookmark there, from chill. Um, Thirty-five. Spirit of folly. Yeah. Spirit of folly. Folly. Yeah, what? Spirit of folly. Folly, folly. Sounds like falling. Yeah. Spirit of folly. Yet the above discussion raises an important and unavoidable question. If I am so good, where does sin come from? In response, the Talmud answers profoundly: A person does not commit a transgr- transgression unless a spirit of folly enters him. Far from being needlessly metaphorical, the Talmud here weighs in precisely on our question regarding the makeup of a human being. Unlike others, whether religious or secular, who believe that mankind, due to some original stain or disposition, are selfish sinners by nature, the Talmud suggests that we are in essence righteous beings who are nevertheless vulnerable to the wiles of an external spirit of folly. If undetected, this spirit can lead us astray from our inner soul essence, which is purely good. However, the Torah teaches that God created man in his image. Just as God is inherently good, so too is the being he created. Thus, in Jewish thought, it is evil, not goodness, which is, in, which is alien to man. A foreign product smuggled in from the outside, a forbidden fruit grafted into our holy root. Goodness, righteousness, holiness, this is who we are by divine design and what we naturally want to express in life. It is essential for our own mental health and self-image to distinguish between our actions, which may waver from good to bad, and our essence, which is always good. We may sometimes be hijacked or led astray. But that does not change who we are on the deepest level. However, it does it does raise the issue: how would we regain control and realign our actions with our essence? Right. So we, we still have to. We can't just say, "Oh, we're good by nature," so it doesn't really matter what I do. It does matter what you do. There is a din v'cheshvan on what you do. We're talking about the perspective and where and what we think about ourselves. Now, this this next part is very good to to read, but we're not going to read it now. It's a, it's a famous mice. Uh, with the, with, the, with the Ramban and a Talmud of his who went off the derech. But skip that right now. And uh, let's go to uh, page 39. This is a, this is a famous story of Babich Rebbe. It's so important. Listen to this, Maisa. I came here to look for some Yiddishkeit. Page 39. I came here to look for some Yiddishkeit, said a philanthropist, who had traveled overseas to visit the Rebbe. You didn't have to come all the way here for that, said the Rebbe. You only had to look deep inside your own heart. In the Rebbe's view, Jewishness or Jewish faith is not something to be sought or superimposed. Rather, it emerges and expresses itself from, from deep within. In fact, the Talmud teaches that, the, each, that each baby is taught the entire Torah while in the womb, which is then forgotten at the moment of birth. Torah is thus already integrated into the deepest levels of our beings. It merely seeks further expression in the world, of thought, uh, in the world through sanctified thoughts, speech, and action. Here's the Maisa. Ritzvi Hirsch Weinreb, 
moved with his family to Maryland to pursue a career in psychology. At one point, he was going through a difficult time and decided to call the Rebbe for guidance. The Rebbe's secretary answered the phone and asked the caller to identify himself. Not wanting to disclose his name due to the sensitive nature of his questions, Rabbi Weinreb replied only, a Jew from Maryland. He went on to outline the questions for which he wanted the Rebbe's guidance. Uncertainties regarding his life, his career, and his faith. Suddenly, Rabbi Weinreb heard the Rebbe's voice in the background. Tell him there's a Jew in Maryland with whom he can speak. His name is Weinreb. The secretary repeated the Rebbe's words. Yes, he exclaimed to the secretary, but my name is Weinreb. Rabbi Weinreb then heard the Rebbe saying gently, Well, if that's the case, he should know that sometimes a person needs to speak to himself. Crazy mice. This radical faith, right? We're always looking for everybody else to tell us that this book, this... You gotta, you gotta go to yourself. You know your own answers. This radical faith in each Jew led the Rebbe to see holiness and sanctity in every person, even when they themselves may not. We're going to skip the next uh, part, which you should read also. But let's go to... Uh, I want to hit the end. I'm trying to keep it to 45 minutes, basically. So, Zach, why don't you go on page 41 on the top? It's yours. It's yours. In an inspired attempt to summarize the essence of Judaism for students and seekers of all ages, the Rebbe selected 12 Torah passages from the entire corpus, corpus of Jewish literature and presented them as a crystallized curriculum of Jewish faith. The very first passage states, The Torah that Moshe commanded us is the inheritance of the congregation of Yahweh. The Torah given to us by Moshe does not belong to rabbis or scholars. It belongs to every single Jew. Every Jew has his or her portion in the Torah. In fact, the soul of every Jew is like a letter in the Torah, which is only complete when all the letters are present and accounted for. The Torah is our inheritance, our birthright. And like an inheritance, the inheritor is entitled to it, whether or not they know all its intricacies and details. It is all theirs, all at once, even before they know what it is. They do not, they do not have to earn it, but they do have to claim it. As the Rebbe once said in the reference to, to this inheritance of the congregation of Yaakov, what's the value of a priceless inheritance if you don't claim it and cash it in? Right, so we, he's balancing us now. So we first need to get the perspective proper, who we are. But so, so, if you still need to actualize that perspective, that, that soul, through our actions, we have to do that. Yaakov, go for it, buddy. Are you Jewish? The view of the Torah and Mitzvahs are the automatic inheritance of every Jew, regardless of prior learning or level of observance, that the Rebbe to initiate a host of outreach programs whose sole purpose was to provide Jews with as many access points and opportunities to perform mitzvah as possible. Whether it was wrapping tefillin, lighting Shabbos candles, or hearing the shofar, the Rebbe set about distributing the inheritance of the Jewish people, even going against the expressed opinions of many other religious authorities, of his time who felt that mitzvahs should only be performed by the properly prepared. Like the companies that comb through public legal and financial records searching for unclaimed inheritances to distribute to their rightful recipients, the Rebbe's emissaries, 
at his or- on his orders, position himself in three corners around the world, asking passerby, "Are you Jewish?" What they're really saying is, "I may have something meant for you, something precious, something priceless. Don't you want to claim your birthright?" It's a totally, it's just back. a totally different way, and we see by Chabad, led by the Rebbe, led by the Alter Rebbe, led by the Baal Shem, how to go about our lives. It's a totally different way. Radical. Totally radical. Often the way we grow up is almost like it's it's almost like an elitist. To be a Jew and to do mitzvahs, it's like the elite. Only those who can perform it all, whose actions are fully aligned with his inner nature. That's not it at all. The the view is only on the on the essence. That's it. Be positive. Of course, for ourselves, we should a little bit, not too harsh, but demand of ourselves action. But certainly, the way we view other people has to be totally different, which is the Sugi of Dan Lekaschus. But look what, it, look what it led to. Look what this perspective of the Rebbe led to. Thousands, millions of people putting on tefillin, girls lighting candles. No one else is doing this. No one else is doing these little things. How many mitzvahs have they added to Jews? How many little pieces of inheritance have they given back to Jews over all the years? Unfathomable, uncountable. Because of the Rebbe's perspective and his unwavering belief in the essence of every Jew, and I'm not going to budge, I don't care what you say, because that's the emes. No, we should be zochem, Rosh Hashanah. All right. Next week is uh, Rosh Hashanah, Tuesday night. So uh, either we'll discuss if we could do a Wednesday night or we'll have to wait till the following Tuesday night. When's, when's Yom Kippur? Is it Tuesday night also? I don't know. All right, we'll be in touch. Okay. So go on to the next pa- um, the, the next uh, chapter and we'll find the time to Tuesday's do it. Tuesday's Arab Yom Kippur. What is? Tuesday's Arab Yom Kippur. Yeah. So Tuesday night is, 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 is Yom Kippur? Yeah, correct. Okay, so maybe we'll try to change. Maybe if we could do Wednesday nights for the next two or maybe Monday. Well, not next week, but in two weeks. All right, we'll we'll be in touch. Anything? Anything? Last uh, comments or questions here? Um, yeah, I think it's good uh, to to listen to the Midos Shirim as a preliminary for for this one. I don't know. It just it it totally ties in. What the Nisiv Shalom you're saying? Yeah. Oh, it all ties in, man. We keep going back to like who you are, just like. The, and the civic concrete of Shalom, like who you are is why you're here, who you are is your midos. That's why you're here. So. And most people don't even think about that once in their entire life. Reb, can I ask a, a practical question that I've probably asked in different forms like a hundred times already? What should you teach your what should you teach your no. two year old week old baby? No. Oh. That's a separate question. It's how to burp a child properly. But that's for next time. Just, just give it to them. Yeah. No, is What's well, like a practical tip? Because I struggle with this, and we all do. Like I spend a lot of hours a day in front of a computer, right? Emailing, working, etc. I don't feel like I don't feel like like a holy soul. I feel like a a guy before, like in front a of worker. a computer. <laughs> I feel like a worker. Right. I feel like a machine. Right. It's not about. And then, okay, and then maybe, maybe I wake up and I, I put chillin' on in the morning. I put talis on. I open a mishnah for like a few minutes. I feel I feel pretty holy, but it's again, it's not about my actions. That's the whole chap, right? It's 
it's nor, am, nor is it about your feelings. Like, nor is it about your about feelings. feelings no, exactly. Yeah. Number one is about it's about so, the emis. So what's the need of knowing? Why do we even need to know it? We shouldn't know it. Of course we have to know it. That's you don't what have to feel it? No. You don't have to. You have to know it. You have to believe it. It's the emis. If you don't feel the emis, it doesn't make it not emis. It's the emis. But you know, besides the fact that we have to believe, just believe. That's it's the Amuna. Amuna doesn't mean you have to feel it. You have to do it. You have to believe it. You can't know it. All you can't touch it. Touching it would mean feeling it in this case. But still, certainly, one a Jew must find time during the day to be his essential self. So that if it's early in the morning, to learn something that he connects to, or at night, or on the train to think. We, if we don't use our brains to think, you're right, we're just going to be people in front of the computers. We're just people who do. This whole Indian is about thinking and believing and knowing who we are. But if we don't spend the time doing that, it's not just going to happen. But again, it's not about feeling it. It's about really believing it. Yes, it's true. Often we need to feel to like believe that we believe. That's, I get that. But are we, doing, are we taking the time in the morning or night to even work on this? It ain't just going to happen. Did I, um, did I add one thing? I don't know if you said it, but um, I think Ravyasi Zagatinsky said this. What, I think it was the Bilalvi. I think Bilalvi actually says set an alarm or do something like every half hour to just think about Hashem. Every half hour. Just set an alarm for a minute think about Hashem and move on and then keep doing that and then you could you could like you know do it in longer increments instead of a half or you do it like every hour but by nature you'll, you'll start thinking more about Hashem during the day especially when you're doing things that aren't related to Hashem so to speak yeah yeah. you have to learn Bavavi Aleph and you have to stick to that program of course you could do this yeah Bavavi talks about that in the beginning to get it Ragil in your head Again and again to think. I was talking tonight in Lukut Imran about, about what are you machabed? What's covered comes from kaved, heavy. What's heavy in your life? What are you thinking about? What's in your mind all the time? Right? Most people, they're, they're all the time, they're, they're, their mind is on money, on stuff. That means that's what you think about. That means that's what your, where your heart is. That's what you're machabed. That's what you value. Are we thinking about anything else? Are we trying to have any other types of thoughts take over our mind? You are what you think. That doesn't mean who that's who you really are, but that's how we live life. Right? There's two types of you are. There's the essential you are that you can't change. God made you. You're a soul. You're good. But who we are in terms of how we live our daily living... Is dependent on what we think. So, what kind of thoughts are we putting into our head? This is this book is trying. What the goal of this book is trying to get these types of thoughts into our head. Yeah. All right, Chaver. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you so much. Have a good night.